Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The 49ers dominated the Super Bowl champs on Monday night. Where did it all go wrong for the New York Mets? Again. And the Eagles are where they are because Nick Sirianni took over what Doug Peterson started. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The LA Rams might be Super Bowl champions, but they just can't seem to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Well, except, of course, in the playoffs last season. This, a 24-9 Monday night football win in classic 49ers fashion. Jimmy G just enough, and the defense was incredible. Pick six against Matthew Stafford, a couple of fumbles. It was domination, as has been the case in this rivalry Kyle Shanahan now eight and four against his buddy, Sean McVay. We are joined by my buddy, Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers. And Brian, why have the 49ers been able to do this so consistently against the Rams? Well, it is convenient when you leave out the NFC Championship game, which is the most important <laughs> game they've played. I think the 49ers can trade almost all of those for it. Yeah. Although they needed to win the Week 17 last year to get into the playoffs to even be in the NFC Championship game. Um, I don't know what it is. I, and the ownership is interesting. First of all, all of Kyle Shanahan's defense or all of Kyle Shanahan's teams since he showed up in 2017 that were good were led by the defense. And that was the story again here tonight. And the 49ers might have the best defense in the league. Yep. And and on Monday Night Football, the 49ers offense was at least good enough to showcase that defense because the they didn't keep putting the defense back on the field over and over again. So that was really important for the 49ers to to put up some semblance of an offense to 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 see Jimmy G drop a couple of dimes in there and and you know I always call Jimmy Garoppolo aggressively intermediate. Everything is just in that zone and the windows are small and sometimes it goes bad uh but when it goes well it looks well orchestrated and 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 they are able to put up enough points like they did tonight and by the way almost another pick six too by Fred Warner in that game but when Eric Crocker and I the the co-host of Locked On 49ers talked about this game and and the keys to victory we said Matthew Stafford is going to throw the ball to the 49ers. Can they take advantage of those mistakes? And they did in this game. And I think that was one of the biggest keys. And when you put Stafford up against the wall, he's just going to start slinging. And that's what the 49ers defense did is they made things difficult. So he had to try to make a play. And when it's Cooper cup and that's it on offense, that's really tough for Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams and the 49ers can do enough. And, and Kyle Shanahan was able to scheme some things open big run from Jeff Wilson, huge play from Debo Samuel in that game. And they didn't need a whole lot else from the offense because the defense was so good. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's final stat line looks a lot better because of a 57 yard catch and run. That was all Debo Samuel. It was a, he turned a near pick six into a 57 yard touchdown. And then another where Kyle Juszczyk is wide open. That's play design. Jimmy Garoppolo just has to make a, a marginally on, on target throw. I don't mean this to all besmirch Jimmy G, but that this is what we've been seeing now for years that, that this marriage works because he can press the buttons and they can do the thing. I want to ask you about this defense because the Rams, Allen Robinson comes in. There's this fanfare about, Oh, what they can be when they have this other guy opposite Cooper cup. And they have just not looked the same this season. In, in this game, how much of that is, well, the Rams just aren't the same 
versus this 49ers defense just flying around and making life miserable for a team that right now doesn't have a very good offensive line and and just doesn't have a lot of answers right now. Yeah, it, I think the Rams just overall are a worse team than they were last year when they yeah. won the Super Bowl. Uh, they're, they're it's too important the offensive line to just be like, oh, oh well, they got Stafford and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. They're going to be okay. Like offensive lines are pretty darn important, and we saw that tonight. So that's that's one of the biggest keys for this team. And they lost some other pieces, and it's nice that they brought in Bobby Wagner, but um, they don't get consistent enough pressure up front outside of Aaron Donald. They lost some pieces in the secondary, and. I think they'll still be in it, but it was so important for the 49ers in this game to help out their defense and show the kind of team they can be playing complimentary football, run the ball a little bit, facilitate your playmakers on offense and still play that amazing defense. And uh, the 49ers, that's that's what got them through the playoffs last year. It's what got them by the Green Bay Packers uh, to the NFC Championship game last year. And uh, we're seeing it now uh, finally in week four on Monday Night Football. You just cannot get through a spot without bringing up the Packers and the 49ers in the playoffs. Ryan, thanks, man. Stay up to date all year on the San Francisco 49ers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On 49ers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, where did it all go so wrong for the New York Mets? Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today. It's not hard to see why they're constantly adding new features. Just launched 22 new features, including an over-unders game integrated right into the fantasy app. I'm already using Sleeper for my fantasy games. You probably are too, which means while you're checking the waiver wire or you're proposing a trade or you're declining your buddy's stupid trade, you could be playing their over-under game. In any sport, just take two or more players and pick their over or their under projections like rushing yards for running backs. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. And it's all right in an app you're already using. Or if you're not using, you should be using because Sleeper is the best app for your fantasy football league. Plus, I'm making it easy and I'm making it better. Join our listener group, sleeper.com slash lockdown today, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash lockdown today, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungabailoa has been ruled out for Sunday's game against the New York Jets as he continues to progress through concussion protocol. Coach Mike McDaniel expanded on Tua's status. Yeah, this is something that uh, it's too early to give a definite um, timeline. I, I can comfortably say that he, he'll be out for this game um, against the Jets, but anything beyond that, um, we're... Uh, Again, we're just focused on making sure he's at optimum health and then crossing that bridge. So it's a little early um, for definitive timelines beyond that. The Denver Broncos lost running back Javante Williams for the rest of the season. It was reported Monday Williams tore his ACL and LCL in his right knee. This is a serious knee injury. Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett did not give the specifics of Williams' injury, but said he will miss the remainder of the season. 
On top of a huge blow to their offense, the Broncos also lost a key member of their defense. Linebacker Randy Gregory will have arthroscopic surgery on his right knee in the coming days. Hackett did not say if they would place Gregory on injured reserve. Minnesota Timberwolves star Carl Anthony Towns was hospitalized last week with a throat infection that caused him trouble breathing and forced him to be on bed rest for days, according to an ESPN report. Towns, who missed all of the Timberwolves training camp, said he didn't get clearance to walk until Saturday when he attended a team event. Timberwolves coach Chris Finch said Monday that Towns wouldn't play in Tuesday's preseason opener against the Heat in Miami as he works on ramping up his conditioning. All this comes after an offseason in which Towns had stem cell treatment and platelet-rich plasma injections in both knees, his left ankle, left wrist, and right finger. That is a lot of work on a big body. Tony La Russa is stepping down from managing the Chicago White Sox due to health concerns. La Russa, who turned 78 today, hasn't managed a game since abruptly leaving guaranteed rate field on August 30th after doctors told him he needed to undergo further testing related to a heart issue. Nick Morosky from Locked on White Sox has more. Tony La Russa is retiring once again. His second stint as the Chicago White Sox manager is over. Hey, I'm Nick Murawski for Locked on White Sox. Uh, Tony La Russa was hired in the fall of 2020. It was an odd decision. We're uh, finding that it wasn't necessarily GM Rick Hahn's decision, uh, but Tony La Russa was brought back. White Sox won the division in 2021, won 93 games, but were quickly bounced in the ALDS. Uh, La Russa came back in 2022. Uh, Sox grossly underperformed. Uh, there were fire Tony chants at the ballpark. Uh, it was a very disappointing season. Uh, Tony La Russa battling some health issues. He's been on medical leave since August 30th. Uh, and today, uh, Monday afternoon, he made it official. Uh, he will not be back as Chicago White Sox manager uh, in 2023. Uh, GM Rick Hahn said the search is already on its way. He will be spearheading, but it will be a collaborative effort to find the next manager of the Chicago White Sox. For more, tune into Locked on White Sox. Elsewhere on the diamond, the St. Louis Cardinals blew a lead late and lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the story was Albert Pujols doing more goat things. The Albert Pujols magic continued in Pittsburgh against the Pirates on Monday. Hey, it's JD from Locked on Cardinals. And Albert Pujols is like the Santa Claus of baseball recently. He just keeps giving and giving and giving. After hitting home run number 701 on Saturday and 702 on Sunday, the machine pops number 703 on Monday. In doing so, passes the legendary Babe Ruth for sole possession of second place on the all-time RBI list at 2,216, trailing only Hank Aaron in the history of Major League Baseball. At the time, it gave the Cardinals a 2-0 lead, which they inevitably squandered in one of the worst ways possible, walking four straight hitters in the bottom of the ninth to lose 3-2. That's a little embarrassing, but this game will be remembered more for another record-breaking moment by Albert Pujols than it will for who won or lost it. For more in-depth Cardinals content, be sure to join us Monday through Friday on Locked on Cardinals. Here is another story you need to know. After what seemed like a season in which the New York Mets were going to cruise to the NL East title, they are now looking up at the Atlanta Braves after a three-game sweep over the weekend, just three games left.
for the Mets and their magic number is one. If they still want to try and win the division, joining me now from locked on Mets, Ryan Finkelstein and, and Ryan, how did we get to this point with the Mets when about a month ago they looked golden? Well, they didn't take advantage of their schedule in September. It's that simple. They had uh, they beat the Dodgers at the end of August leading to September and they had a three-game lead in the Braves and they had the easiest schedule in baseball. And they lost a lot of games to sub-500 teams and they put themselves in this position. They did have an opportunity to control their destiny. Win one in Atlanta and you control your fate. They did not win a single game in Atlanta and here we are. Yeah, to start September, they they dropped two to Washington and one to Pittsburgh. They got swept by the Cubs. And then, you know, you lose a game to Oakland, to the Marlins, and then you get swept by the Braves. Like, the answer is you don't win the games you're supposed to win, right? So how do you feel about this team as they move into – they're going to be in the playoffs. So do, do you feel materially differently about the team itself now versus, let's say, a month ago? I would say I feel materially different than I did going into the game on Friday. And the reason okay. I say that <laughs> is because, A, it was a just heartbreaking weekend as a Mets fan. But also, my fallback argument all year would be in any playoff series, including a wild card round, you have Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Well, we just watched those two pitchers go up against the Braves, and they lost both games. So I don't feel as confident saying, yeah, they're easily going to handle the Padres or the Phillies in the wild card round because they have these two guys because we just watched that strategy not work out for the Mets. But I will say this is still a 98-win baseball team. Uh, they still have it in them to go on a run. They have all the pieces in place. It's just a matter of playing better baseball than they have for the past month. Okay, play better. That's an, that's an easy diagnosis. Yeah. Is there something that you think could spur them to play better? A player who needs to step up, a pitcher who can inspire some confidence in the team, whether how they manage the bullpen. I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways for the, the Mets to Mets in this situation, but what, what can they do to go the other way to, to actually find that success? I think it starts with their main guys. It starts with Francisco Lindor playing better. He had a really bad series. Pete Alonso as well. Those two guys have really drove the team all year offensively. They have to do that if they're going to win any playoff series. And then it starts with the top of the rotation. You can go into a wild card series against the Padres and Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, and Edwin Diaz could be the only three pitchers they face. If those guys give you length, that's how good they can be. And if they pitch well, the Mets are going to win that series. Yeah, you don't expect, you, you You look at that Brave series, for Scherzer and DeGrom to combine give up seven runs in must-win games. Those are not the pitchers. That's not the caliber of pitchers those guys are. So if you're a Mets fan, don't you just kind of have to say, well, I think those guys will be better, or we need them to be better. And if they aren't, then we just didn't deserve to win those games. That's why those guys are on this team. A thousand percent the case. You, you need those two guys to, to be the best pitchers in baseball like they've been throughout their careers. And there's no reason that they can't bounce back after a bad start in Atlanta. It's a tough ballpark. It's a really good team the Braves have, and they're not going to face that level of team until the divisional round potentially where they'll face maybe a better team in the Dodgers. How could this all end that would make it seem worth it? Is Does it have to be a World Series? To me, at this point, it's get into that series against the Dodgers and make it a long series. I think if they end up getting bounced in the wildcard round, the 98-win season or however many wins they finish with, it's all going to get flushed away. It's going to feel like a failure. Get into the divisional series, push it to a game five, 
And I think this is a successful season for the Mets. Stay up to date all postseason on the New York Mets by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Mets podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the Philadelphia Eagles are where they are because of the coach they beat on Sunday. The Philadelphia Eagles are the only remaining undefeated team and look like the favorites in the NFC right now to go to the Super Bowl. Nick Sirianni has done well at the helm, but as Gino Camilleri and Louis DiBiase of Locked On Eagles point out, they owe a lot of thanks to the coach they beat on Sunday. It, it embodied what Doug set up for Nick Sirianni to then take the reins on. And the quote he said to Jalen Hurts, where Jalen, or when he was talking to Jalen Hurts, and Jalen said, I wouldn't be here without you, Doug, when he was talking to him. And I mean, that's exactly right. This franchise wouldn't be in the position it is in today. We wouldn't have like the sweater I'm wearing right now. We wouldn't have a Super Bowl without Doug Peterson. And a lot of those lessons that you learned in Doug's tenure, the ability to overcome adversity, much like the Super yep. Bowl year where you're out all of these guys, things aren't going your way necessarily the whole game. Nick Sirianni has put his little flavor to it, but the building blocks are there and you have seen the evolution of yeah. how far they have come as a franchise. And I know Jacksonville, they looked much better than they have in the past, but I just got to say this, there was some trash talk uh, between Jags fans and our mentions on YouTube, Tony Wiggins over at locked on uh, Jaguars. I wore this for a reason, Super Bowl 52. Yeah, this is just a reminder of what would have happened if they played in that Super Bowl. A reminder of what happened in 2014. A reminder of what happened in 2018. And a reminder of what happened today. You got to learn to walk before you can run. And the Eagles, they're running right now. They're man. clearly they're the seasoned winner teams. between yep, those exactly. two teams, for sure. What Doug Peterson started, but what Nick Sirianni did last year in 2021 and this year, too. Gino, it was just awesome to see them. I didn't get the Doug Peterson firing in the first place. It seemed obvious to me this was a Carson Wentz problem. And that was before the reporting that essentially agreed this was a Carson Wentz problem. This was an organization that didn't know where to turn, but had paid Carson Wentz all of this money. Doug Peterson ultimately becomes the fall guy, and it turns into a situation where you just blow it up. Because if you're high Roseman, you have the rope, you have the runway to do that. But we've seen what Carson Wentz has been since he left Philadelphia. And now we get to see what Doug Peterson is too. We saw during that Super Bowl stretch, he dialed every right dial to the proper frequency. He pushed every possible right button. The Philly special, the fourth down aggressiveness, helping lead Nick Foles to the promised land over Tom freaking Brady. And now he is helping to turn around a moribund franchise after one of the lowest seasons we've seen from even by Jaguar standards in the NFL after the debacle with Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson was and is a really good football coach. And I think would be leading the Eagles to the same sort of success they're having in Philly now. Philly is not going to, it's no backseas for them. Nick Sirianni is their guy, and he is leading them in the right direction as well. But Doug Peterson is proving he got an unfair shake in Philly, and I hope he continues to lead Jacksonville back to be a respectable NFL franchise, which they have not been in quite some time. 
And finally, cheating in sports, it would seem, even stretches to competitive fishing. This story is unbelievable. If you haven't seen the video, go find it. At a walleye competition on Lake Erie last week, tournament director Jason Fisher cut open the winning catch of five walleye to find lead weights and even pre-prepared fish fillets inside of them. Video of the event shows Fisher urging winning angler Jacob Runyon to leave for his own safety as people hurled expletive-laced insults at him. Fisher told reporters that he cut the fish open because they appeared heavier than typical walleye of that length. If you can't trust fishing, what can you trust? Oh, that's right. Fishermen, notorious for exaggerating their catches. This is a little on the nose. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show, who will be in the best position heading into the Major League Baseball postseason? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.